All right, welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about mid-90s, the theatrical directorial debut from Jonah Hill, who, as many of you know, is a pretty well-known actor, but he decided to uh, get into the directing game. And this is, uh, I don't know what to say, a semi-autobiographical movie, but a movie that follows a bunch of young kids, in uh, one kid in particular, in the mid-90s, aptly enough, in Los Angeles, and I'm glad to happy today to be joined by my old friend Billy McCormick. Billy, thanks for being here. Hey, Josh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so this is pretty exciting because I mean, this is a movie that follows like a 13 year old boy, and like I've been friends with Billy since about the time we were 13 years old, and like none of my other guests have like actually known me that long. So a movie that follows teenagers, and I at least have a friend here uh, who. I've known since I was a teenager, but uh, more importantly, Billy, uh, this movie follows like this one kid, a uh, character named Stevie, who's, I guess, 12, around 12 or 13 during the time of the events of the movie, as he is just kind of getting along with his family and has an older brother played by Lucas Hedges and a mom played by Catherine Waterston, and he doesn't get along with his brother, and he's kind of a latchkey kid that's not with his mom all the time, so he ends up kind of falling in with a group of skating kids and as you well know my listeners don't i never really had a skating phase when i was in school uh when i was in middle school and high school and i i think around the time that like we became friends i you were either like somewhat into skateboarding or maybe just kind of phasing out of that so uh for a little bit of context i mean like you did have a little bit of a skateboarding phase correct me if i'm wrong right Oh, I spent a lot of probably sixth through eighth grade downloading skateboard videos on Kazaa. Probably <laughs> the amount of time I spent downloading skateboarding videos versus actually skateboarding. <laughs> it's probably like 90, 10. Um, so I spent a lot of time in that world. We can talk about that more. But was a, as Jonah Hill himself confessed, a terrible, terrible skateboarder. Right. Uh, and I've maybe stepped on a skateboard like once in my life. So I'm like glad we were able to make this work for uh, you to do this podcast with me because we've talked about doing a few. And this is like one that I think is pretty well suited to like things you know about and being able to fill in some gaps on things I don't know about. So uh, just I, I don't even know what you thought about this movie like before like we even knew what it was going to be. Like I think I knew Jonah Hill was making a movie called Mid-90s and I didn't know anything besides that. So, you know, people were, like, making jokes about how it was, like, oh, he's making his ladybird, or it's called, like, Skatybird, or something like that. There's all those jokes, like, no one knew what it was going to be. They just kind of knew that. So, like, I don't know what your expectations were going in, but, like, when you, like, actually, like, saw the first trailer, and it's just, like, hey, this is going to be a movie about skater culture in, like, L.A. in the 90s, like, uh, were you pretty excited? Did you have high expectations? Did you have any kind of preconceived notions about, like, what the quality of a Jonah Hill movie would be? Yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty pumped because I thought it was going to be more of a, a feel good, you know, kind of romp through the mid 90s, some kid kind of coming of age. And um, as the coming of it, as Lady Bird was kind of like, it's not really that enjoyable, which I guess is more relatable to actually coming of age. But and it's just like a thing that a lot of A24 movies are. So not an unreasonable yeah. assumption. And also basically every movie about skateboarding other than maybe Lords of Dogtown or Dogtown and the Z boys. I think one of those was a documentary. One of those is the real movie. I think Keith Leather, the, the, Keith the, Leather the, was in that movie. The latter was the documentary. Lords of Dogtown was the movie. Is it, was Heath Ledger in that? No. Uh, is that, is that Emil Hirsch? Yeah, it's Emil Hirsch. Yeah. So that movie is pretty good. It's not great. The documentary is a lot better. It's like that movie and gleaming the cube or the, with Christian Slater or the two skate 
skateboarding movies I can think of that are not like pure skateboarding movies. And they're both not great. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you're making a good what looked like a good skateboarding movie directed by someone that I think culturally is in good movies and makes good things um, just from interviews and stuff like that. I was pretty excited. So I, I came into this with pretty high expectations. Yeah, and I guess I kind of did too just because like I'm a little biased in that I like a lot of what A24 does. And I I don't know, like kind of like you, I'm like, oh, I, I like Jonah Hill and like, you know – and it doesn't have a lot in common with Lady Bird, other than you can technically call it coming of age. And it had the same uh, had the same cinematographer, I think, which is uh, at least, or no, maybe the same editor. One of the two, I can't remember what. I think it was the same same one one of those two. It shared that little bit of DNA and the fact that like Jonah Hill's sister was in Lady Bird. But I'm like, I, tr- I trust A24. It looks at least kind of interesting. I was a little worried when I saw the trailer though, because I was just like. That's a lot of skateboarding. And, uh, <laughs> like That's just all the trailer was. And I don't even think I knew it was going to be about skating culture until the trailer came out. So I was like a little worried, but like the early word was like really good from like once I started playing at festivals and stuff. So I was pretty excited. So uh, I actually haven't talked to you at all about it yet, so I don't even know. Like, uh, Did it at least come close to meeting your expectations? And uh, what was your biggest takeaway? So it was good. Um, it was definitely not what I envisioned from the trailer of being like a feel good romp through, you know, 1995, 1996 on a skateboard in LA. Uh, it's a little bit more emotional weight to it than that, but sure. it's good. I mean, I think it, um, I think the promotional push it got is kind of weird in that it feels like overall kind of a small film, right? I mean, you could say the same criticism about eighth grade and that like that's a movie that's good, but it got a lot of scale that movie. Okay. Maybe just bounced off festival hype more than this movie. I mean, you think about how much Jonah Hill promoted this movie, how much all those guys were everywhere. And like, I think a lot of people in the mainstream that see this movie are going to be like, that was it. I didn't have that feeling. I enjoyed it. I thought it was well-made. I think there's something to be made for making a movie that's shorter than like an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, he talked about that some, I, I, one of the interviews I listened to him, he said there was like a two hour and 40 minute cut, which oh, I, yeah, that, I, that does not sound like a fun time. And I think it's like better that way. Cause like you said, it's a lot more intense and pretty, probably not as chill and easygoing as like one could have reasonably expected going in. And because it is really intense at some points, it's a little bit of a gut punch because you are in and out that quickly. And you're like, wow, like that, that are already done. Like that's a, that was a lot just to be in and out like that. And uh, so, like, that, that part I did appreciate because I did feel some of that weight. And I think, uh, like you, I, I liked it too, though. And I think I think there is there are, like I said, there are more natural barriers to me liking this movie just because I think and you can, I can get as much out of it as I possibly could and someone else could still get even more out of it because we'll talk about the music or I'm probably going to make you talk about the music. But I probably know, like, just as – I mean, I know more about music than skateboarding, but, like, I don't know a ton about music. And I think that's something that Jonah Hill clearly put a lot of thought into with this soundtrack. So, like, me not being someone that knows – very much about hip hop or skateboarding. Like those are like two very big components of this movie. And I still like found a lot to take from it just with like what it had, what the movie like just has to say about like finding like a finding friends when you really need them in life. Because I think that, I mean, even though it's about a kid that's way younger than me, that growing up in a kind of, uh, with a, in a, having the kind of childhood I didn't have, like I still, uh, was pretty invested in that kid and, because he obviously has a pretty uncomfortable home situation and you're just naturally sympathetic for him. And I think they do a good job of setting that up with, with the having the two known actors that are playing his family members. And 
I don't know. I, I just enjoyed kind of following him on his story and was pretty into him, even if I really wasn't as into the subject matter. And well, I still enjoyed watching that subject matter. It's just, I don't know a lot about that stuff. I did not spend hours downloading skateboarding videos in middle school. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, I mean, it is similar to eighth grade in the sense, and I, I have feelings some people constantly comparing this to Lady Bird in eighth grade, but it is similar to eighth grade in the sense that you feel kind of queasy in like every situation that he, Stevie ends up in. Cause you know that there's not really a good outcome that can come out of him being at a party or writing, you know, riding in a car or and there's the added, you know, skateboarding off a roof. And there's like, the added, you, you just know that it's going to be bad. There's nothing good that can happen. Yeah. And there's the added element of like, he's actually doing like legitimately dangerous things here. Whereas like, I think that's what's probably so impressive about Ladybird is that like, or not Ladybird eighth grade is that like that party scene was like more horrifying than like what you watch in a lot of horror movies. And, God, yeah. uh, and in here, I mean, it's like, Oh, like every time like he's doing anything, it's either involving like drugs or skateboarding, doing dangerous things, or that's basically it. But I mean, like, or riding in cars with people that are doing drugs, which uh, we'll obviously get to um, those scenes. But I mean, like, I, I hadn't even really thought of it in those terms. Like, yes, I already like this kid and I want good things to happen to him, but like he's put in so many situations where like something bad could happen to him. And on top of that, like every time he interacts with his brother, like you don't know what's going to happen. Cause the first shot of the movie is, I guess it's implied that like, that's probably some kind of bruise or something that his brother inflicted upon him. Maybe. I don't know. So, well, uh, doesn't the movie open with him getting the shit kicked out of him? Or is that the second scene after he's in the mirror? Yeah. That's after the mirror, uh, where his brother's beating him up. Um, but like he, remember he's in the mirror like holding his shirt up like looking at whatever yeah. that was and I at first I was like at first I was actually a little disoriented at that point because I was like oh are we like starting in the middle of the movie and then like are they gonna jump backwards because is that something that he is that like an injury he incurred trying to skateboard but he hadn't even tried to skateboard at that point yet I think it's yeah. more chronological and that's probably something that happened that like his brother did to him I think later in the movie like th- isn't there something where you're gonna have to help me a little bit on this because it's been 10 days since I saw it uh-huh but I think isn't he like hurting himself at some point later in the movie too um isn't there some element of that well so he comes home from the party oh right he right, 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 right. dodges Luke he takes Lucas Hedges's orange juice which we should talk about <laughs> and he runs around and then he gets a shit like absolute shit kicked out of him and then he goes to his room and like tries to strangle himself with a super nintendo controller right for some reason i thought there was some other kind of like thing where he whipped himself but maybe i'm, I'm oh yeah no no when he steals the money from right, his mom right 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 he like does that weird hairbrush thing that was strange yeah yeah so i don't i mean i guess that was just like a him feeling guilty and wanting to just kind of not feel as guilty or something but like that 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 is a thing that happens. code, I don't know. Yeah, so I think, but like just to back up for a second though, or to or to get back to the meat of this movie, which is really him and the kids. I do want to talk about Lucas Hedges a little more later on, but like he, uh, I th- that because th- I think that's the part of the movie that's like the most interesting and like the, really the most insightful is just how he's interacting with these other kids. So I mean, he comes upon them at the skate shop and skate shop that is inexplicably like run by like a 17 year old kid and seemingly has no adult actually like having any role in running it uh but somehow stays in business uh so he like finds these kids and i think i don't know i think uh it's obviously a very i mean like i guess you you might have like not that you hung out at those kind of skate shops when you were a kid but like you might have hung out with more people that were into skateboarding than i did but like the, the the friend group that i think about when i think back on my childhood like we were not doing stuff like this necessarily. And, 
he but he jumps in with them and it is a pretty interesting dynamic that still feels rather familiar even if it's just uh from other movies that i've seen as opposed to my own personal experience but like this younger kid takes him in and is just like super excited to like have someone else be beneath them on the totem pole and yeah. a, a big part of the movie is like that not really lasting uh as uh stevie makes moves for lack of a better term uh what did, what did you think about just uh did you have any uh big th- takeaways from just any of those kids that you particularly liked or like how jonah hill like actually made that group dynamic work yeah i mean i think it's the the first thing i would say is on your point about skateboard shops skateboard shops actually from my experience are usually the oldest person running the stores, maybe 18 where you have some dude that's like a burnout. That's like 30, but acts like a 15 year old that at least knows how his inventory works or something. So I thought that part was actually a little too realistic. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, most of those things are are like that. I mean, they put on a skate video and they're just kind of standing around watching it. But yeah, I thought the group dynamic really worked. I mean, I, I thought those kids were really good. Like if you had told me, afterwards that or if i hadn't listened to anything going into it and you told me that those kids were professional skateboarders i would have been like no way those kids are actors um and they all did a really good job and it's funny i've since gone like watch videos of them skateboarding and like just how different they are and how similar they are in some sense obviously ray's character or the actor in real life is very is very different but if well, he's actually he's, like, he's, he's like a pro skateboarder though right or like amateur, yeah he writes like, yeah. he writes for supreme which is like one of the biggest brands in skateboarding they have like a big store on lafayette in new york it's probably like one of the biggest streetwear brands like in the world i don't know what their skateboarding team is like but that that's like one of the ultimate like kind of street cred things you can have in skateboarding oh, okay. and then the other three guys the guy that played fuck shit um the guy that played fourth grade and ruben all ride on some skate team called illegal sieve. I didn't know this before today, but they're all very legit skateboarders. I mean, Ray is the best, but even Sonny Sulcich or however you pronounce it, it's a very good skateboarder too. Yeah. Like I, I like had like, uh, watch some interviews or listen to some Jonah Hill interviews and read a couple of Sonny Sulcich interviews. And, uh, Jonah Hill, like somehow, I guess, I don't know if he had seen Killing of a Sacred Deer or hadn't seen Killing of a Sacred Deer, but, like, he came upon Sonny Solchik not realizing he was an actor, just, like, seeing him skating in a park, and it was just the first kid he approached, and he's like, hey, do you act? He's like, yeah, I was just in a Yorgos Lanthimos movie. Um, yeah, so, it's bonkers. So, yeah, and the kid is like, actually, like, just, like, likes to skateboard, even though he's, like, an actor that's been doing it for a few years in various roles, and obviously the Killing of Sacred Deer being, like, kind of the biggest thing he had done, but, like... It was. He's actually said it was actually hard for him to like pretend to suck at skateboarding because he's actually good at skateboarding. And that that yeah, I, I guess when you think about it, it's actually probably a pretty difficult test. So on top of like actually acting really well in this movie, like he actually had to, as far as delivering lines and stuff, he had to actually really act when he was skateboarding. Whereas the other kids probably just hopped on their boards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the other guys, you have to tone it down a little bit. And I don't, I don't think you even see fourth grade skate, but. I mean, if you watch Sonny coming down, or was it Stevie in the movie? Sonny's his real name. Yeah. Coming down the hill, that first scene when they're riding through traffic in the middle lane. Oh, it's which so is, awkward. Which is terrifying. You can see, like, he is struggling to skate that badly because <laughs> he's basically, like, purposely stopping himself with his foot yeah. every, like, five feet, which is, like, that's not really a thing people that skateboard do after, like, your first day. Like, you would do that like in your garage, but like if you were on a hill, you would figure it out or you would not be on that hill in the middle of traffic. Yeah. So, uh, but like you said, like those kids are really good. And I, I mean, I don't know, like, 
I mean, I thought, especially uh, with the guy that played uh, Ray, I think his name is Nikhil Smith, and he, like, I mean, I think he could literally act in other stuff if he wanted to. Who knows if he's a really good skateboarder, if he even wants to. Like, I mean, but, like, I was really impressed with them, and I thought that, uh, I don't know, like, again, it's not exactly, being able to just roam around with kids and do stuff, like, I, f- I felt like I just... I don't know. This wasn't really a part of my childhood until like before I could drive. And I guess, I guess it's implied like, or I've read more about it. Whereas like fuck shit comes from a wealthier family. I, I guess it's just, it's just implied cause he can buy all the drugs and has a car. Uh, I mean, he has like a land cruiser too, or whatever that old Toyota was the big yeah, one. Yeah, It was an old car. So I didn't know if it was supposed to be nice or not. Cause it looked kind of old at the same time, but like, he's the one with the car and stuff. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I just kind of enjoyed like what, I mean, that's the heart of the movie, you know? It's the, like, having just him, like, one, work his way into it, but then see the group, like, actually slowly kind of disintegrate, but then at the same time, like, have Ray emerge as, like, actually, like, kind of wise and smart when, like, because when, when they had the scene where Gerard Carmichael shows up, like, they haven't really distinguished any of the guys from each other at that point, no. and they just all seem like, I mean, they're all, like, like the, the, the white ones are dropping the N-word, and it's, like, and I, and he, Ray doesn't really seem bothered by it at all, and yeah. understandable, like, I mean, 17-year-old doesn't need to have, like, a firm grasp of why that would be problematic, but at the same time, it's, like, they're just all yelling at, it like, a he's not a cop, I guess, he's a security guard, it's, like, oh, these guys are all cut-ups, and that a movie that's only 84 minutes long can like get you to the point where like you totally understand like how Ray does have his shit together so much more than the others and have him have them kind of splinter apart as they do and have it not feel like they took any shortcuts I think is like the biggest accomplishment of it yeah no I mean I think they do a very good job of not overdeveloping those guys because I also think like at that age I mean kind of anecdotally like if you're in Stevie's position, you don't even notice that stuff. Right. And that kind of comes out in the exposition where he has to, Ray has to draw that stuff out, but they didn't do a job. Like when Ruben gets out of the car and you see him skate away from where they dropped him off. Oh, right. That was such a simple way of being like, yeah, that kid's home life is fucked up, but not dwelling on it and not dragging you into it just because you didn't have time. Yeah. I bet that, I bet maybe that two hour and 40 minute cut, it might actually have, um, I bet there's a good chance that has scenes of all of those guys at home or something like that. Yeah. And like they realize like we don't need this. We can find these. I mean, I guess like you said, Ray kind of spells it out for him, but it's not like it's like long and drawn out scene. It's a pretty efficient scene that tells you what you need to know. And like ultimately, like if they did cut out any kind of backstory for those guys beyond that, it was probably for the better because you can really just have this movie be like a quicker whole experience, gut punch, however you want to put it. Like we discussed earlier, I'm like that was really good. And like you said, him skating away is like a pretty quick way. And I mean, uh, nothing else about fourth grade implies that he, I mean, it is, I mean, they say he's really poor, but he's the one that has a video camera. So, I mean, there's plausible explanations for that, but it's like, yeah, I can see that. Like he, he, they, they kind of explained already that he isn't the smartest kid probably because he's just from a not well off family and probably just wasn't ever really pushed in the right direction. And I mean, I don't know. Like, there's just a way where like you, I think you were getting at where like it could over explain everything for all of these kids and it just doesn't. But at the same time, even though they don't take that time to do it, they don't feel like really stock characters either. No, they're, they're definitely not stock. The only, and I don't know if this is the time to talk about it, The only person I thought was kind of underdeveloped was maybe Lucas Hedges and maybe Catherine Watterson's characters. I mean, they definitely could have had more time spent on them, but I 
get got that like they wanted to have more of the time be with the other kids and i i still like yes they could have done more with lucas hedrick because you're left to infer a lot about how he became the way he is aside from the fact that he uh, he like he mentions he saw the mom go through a lot of stuff and i'm yeah when, when stevie would have been too young to understand what was going on so i'm sure that kind of shaped his worldview and made him put on this outer shell but like he's a good enough actor that like even as he's like being quite the asshole i think you even and you it gets at it when he has that scene where he has the uh dick measuring contest with fuckstick and he's like there's this guy has some like vulnerability and i think he's a good enough actor to convey that even if like they don't really put that in the script yeah i I mean look i i thought on that point the orange juice thing was a nice touch just when you think about like what kids when they're 17 or 18 that are weird clap like (laughs) grasp onto like things like orange juice or being like obsessed with sunny delight or like some weird soda capri suns were big at that time probably yeah exactly like straight down the fair well people probably still thought sunny delight was healthy at that time (laughs) but like that part was like believable enough to be a weird kind of you know like self-contained anachronism but i i just kind of left the movie being like okay but like why is he so pissed like there's a thing of like being mean to your little brother and there's like the thing of like giving your little brother a black eye you know yeah, I mean, like, uh, if it's a normal big brother-little brother relationship where the big brother just beats the little brother up occasionally, like, I get that he would, like, be really mad after he uh, rats him out with the money, though he did kind of talk him into stealing the money. Uh, yeah. But there's obviously uh, more going on there, and I, I, like I said, I kind of just accepted that he would be bitter about the whatever his mom had to go through, and so that didn't bother me. But, they, like, when you get an actress as good as Catherine Watterson, though, like, you kind of do expect maybe to have her um, – be used more in general i mean that that's a the scene where he yells at her in the car i mean that's a very that's a that's a really intense scene but other than that like she's not given a ton to do no not really but i mean that scene was very intense and she does a good job of coming in there and also portraying like how in those moments like when people are really emotional like it can also be weirdly inappropriate like fuck shit trying to pick up her number but like while being yelled at like I, don't know. I thought that was pretty good. I thought that. Yeah, was I, I forgot. Really I, for, I forgot about her call, just running into the shop. That was good too. Yeah, she she did good in that scene. And I mean, obviously, uh, Stevie, that Sonny, the actor playing him, did a really yeah. good job in that scene. I mean, it's pretty crazy. He's like thirteen, screaming. You know, he did a pretty well, good job there. I thought. Yeah, apparently he was. Um, that was the scene he auditioned with. So. Um, oh God. Or, 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 no, it might not have been. I don't, no, I don't know if he auditioned. It might have been the first scene they shot. Like they didn't shoot in sequence. Like it was either he auditioned with it or he. That was the first one they did. But I mean, either way, like that's. It's 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 impressive either way. So we're talking about these kids a little bit. I mean, one there's the the thing that's obviously gotten thrown around a lot, which you initially texted me about about how whether or not like how valid the comparisons are to the movie kids and i actually have a couple thoughts on that because i rewatched kids the other day and i don't think they're very similar at all other than the fact that it's about kids kind of roaming around in the mid 90s and there's some skateboarding going on but also just the um the language that's used because that's something jonah hill has talked about a lot and how like these kids they use misogynistic uh racist vulgar language a lot and how I mean, a few critics of the movie, because I read some reviews, are like, oh, he's Jonah Hill's kind of just trying to get away with doing that by saying that's how kids talked at the time, but there should be more nuance to it than he has. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that does tie in a little bit to just the movie kids, though, because, like, man, that movie is, like, talk about vulgar. I mean, that, like, takes it to, yeah. to, to the nth degree. But, I mean, my thing was that, like, I just thought that movie was just kind of all about the vulgarity and the 
as I've I, I, Jonah Hill, I, I don't want to take credit for Jonah Hill's words. He said that that movie likes to uh, revel in its nihilism, and I, I just don't think that movie's yeah. about. I don't, I don't think that movie's about friendship at all. It is about those other things. Whereas I ultimately think this is a movie about friendship. But I mean, they are similar in that the kids, the one uh, one common thread between the two movies is just like, yeah, the kids do talk in pretty uh, vulgar and what in 2018 would be considered problematic terms. But I mean. I, I, I want to say I, I would say I was not really offended by it, and I I I'm probably more fall down with Jonah Hill on that. It's like, yeah, kids are just probably trying to sound really tough and cool, and in the mid '90s, like our standards probably weren't up to where they were now. So it wasn't something that bothered me. I mean, was that something you were thinking a lot about as you watched it, or did you just kind of accept like, no, this is the natural language? Yeah, I mean, look on the the F word, the other one. I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone that went through middle school probably before about four years ago that didn't hear that word more than you hear it in the movie. Mm -hmm. When you think about like 13 year old boys self-contained in a room, I I thought that was pretty realistic. I mean, and we probably were in middle school 10 years after this movie was set. I mean, I think that's how people talked. I hope that's not how they talk anymore, but it probably still is. So I I thought that was pretty realistic. And I thought kind of dancing around that and, I mean, I, I think that's kind of supported by what is it? Ruben says, don't say thank you. That makes you gay. But then like halfway through the movie, Ray is like, what, what yeah. the shit is that? Like, <laughs> no. And I, I think that's like that was a good way of like, yeah, I don't know if that was written in later of being like, look, obviously we shouldn't, you know, like these things aren't really true that we act like sometimes. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that you made that point because I've forgotten about that thing where Ray calls him out because uh, one thing I've heard Jonah Hill talk about on this press tour is like – I mean a movie he's in very briefly though, 40-Year-Old Virgin, has the has the scene where it's like, oh, you know how I know you're gay? You know how I know you're gay? This and that. Yeah. And that which like – Yeah, you like Coldplay. You could yeah. Pro- yeah, you could probably like never get away with that scene today, and if you did, you'd take a lot more shit for it. And even if you didn't, it, it was really funny at the time, and like even Jonah Hill said in that like, yeah, I mean – it's unfortunate that like it happened. Like, I mean, it's, it's a movie that everyone agrees is like a good movie, but like, there's maybe a way that could have been better handled. Cause those are like full grown men having that conversation without any acknowledgement of it possibly being problematic. And yeah. here they have the, the 17 year old kid actually kind of call it out. And it doesn't seem like unrealistic. Cause as we've already discussed, like they've established by that point that like Ray is easily the most mature out of all of them. Yeah, no, I, I think it makes sense. And I think it works in context and they're not like, glorifying it or anything it's different than like you know a tarantino movie where you throw it around so much and it's doesn't really need to be there that you feels like you're glorifying something and maybe encouraging people to use that language yeah what about the um the drug use or the 12 year old having a sexual experience like do you think the movie handled that handled that stuff pretty well because i mean uh neither the having the sexual experience as a 12 or 13 year old or being at parties with drugs and alcohol or like that's I, I I couldn't even process like how I would handle anything like that at that age. So, like I have like I have like no point of reference for this at all. And there aren't that many movies these days that actually depict kids that young like drinking, having drugs, having sexual experiences. I mean, how how did you think he walked that tightrope? I thought he did a pretty good job with it. I mean, I think to your point, it's it's not exactly like when I was in thirteen that I was going to you know huge crazy parties. So I can't really. But you also look at what they call a party, right? It is five girls sitting inside drinking, five girls, guys standing outside skateboarding, sharing like 140, getting drunk off of, you know, one or two 40s. So I thought that was pretty pretty realistic. And I think it did a good job of Mott making Stevie look like some badass, 
you know, going through his like sexual experience, like knowing what he was doing. I mean, he did a really good job of making it look just how utterly terrified Stevie was in that scene. And it's not like it, I mean, not to get too into it, but I mean, you basically only hear the end result is that he basically like made out with her and like put his hands in her pants, you know, like yeah, it wouldn't like some grand conquest. Well, and the other interesting thing about that is that in the, um, I, I mean, I, I hate to keep referencing these Jonah Hill interviews, but they have informed a little bit about how I thought about the movie. And he says that the the big thing that he kind of wanted to take from that scene was that like he's more he's not he's more excited about hooking up with a girl because of like the yeah. currency it means than the fact that he actually got to hook up with a girl because now he's like gonna impress the guy like, gonna impress the guys and it's gonna improve his status in the group. Which is, I mean, it's not like a novel concept, of course. Like I'm like many young guys are gonna brag about their first such experiences but that was just like uh, that that was more the point he was trying to get across and it's kind of the main again the main thread of the movie is just this group dynamic that they constantly have going on and how he just kind of like works his way up to the point where initially uh, uh what's his name the the other little guy now i'm drawing a blank on his ruben. name ruben yeah uh he at first he's excited to have a punching bag in the group that's not him because he's kind of he's younger or he's probably like the younger guy that again is maybe the lowest on the totem pole before he gets there and then it, it, from the, we didn't even talk about the the, the, skate, the skating on the roof thing uh, but like from that moment on it's like it, that gives him currency in the group too and at that point like i mean it's kind of ridiculous that they make ruben take a shirt off and give it to him but like even before that happened you could tell ruben was jealous from that point forth so i mean i don't know i kind of like seeing that jockeying and that jealousy throughout because that Ruben actor did a pretty good job. It is showing it on his face. Yeah. And he looks very different in real life too, which is kind of a mind trip. Oh yeah. He has like hair, right? Yeah. And it's very obvious from kind of scene one that we're like where the Ruben relationship is going. Mm -hmm. And I think anybody that's been in a, has seen that happen before. Right. I mean, you see somebody come into the group, you know, they get accepted. Somebody else gets jealous. Like, I mean, that's just kind of the natural order of people. I think I couldn't remember, a more it, it was pretty subtly done I, I i mean you think about stupid like teenage movies where that stuff happens but i, I thought that was good um, Yeah. so what, what did you think of the um i mean I, we, we talked a little bit about the skateboarding videos and stuff so i mean if you have any greater thoughts just on the skateboarding the movie as a whole like i'm happy to hear them but did you like i i don't i didn't even ask you how full your theater was but like what was what was your reaction when he like had the the fail on the roof um, cause I audibly like, 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 ah, like I, I made it, I made some kind of noise in the theater and I don't think I was the only one. <laughs> well, I, I could kind of tell, I was like, as soon as I got on the roof, I was like, Stevie's going to try to huck off this roof and it's going to go very poorly. <laughs> so you kind of suck. I mean, I kind of saw it coming as soon as like he, I, I, I guess I should have seen it coming earlier, but like once he actually like started attempting to do it, I was like, oh, that's going to go. That's not going well. Well, I mean, especially right. Like the first five minutes before or the five minutes before that is like Stevie lands his first Ollie. And like maybe gets like an inch off the ground, but freaks out, right? Which is the most realistic thing about movie maybe is like the feeling of landing a skateboarding trick, which I think I only really did like three times is so minimal. And like no one else around you cares if someone's there and you like freak out and you can't recreate it. That was that seemed a little bit to me was like no way would he even like think about trying to do that because but also like. I mean, you see people do stupid stuff like around skateboarding dress out of like machismo and just because there's some stuff where you can kind of fake your way through it because it's like riding down a big ramp really is just falling down, you know, kind of face first. 
I mean, like basically, if you think about like a vert ramp, like Tony Hawk rides, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So dropping into one of those, all the the skills really required is basically just leaning as hard as possible on your front foot. Hmm. And so you can, once you like have the machismo to figure that out, like it's not that hard, but with Stevie. And so I thought like that would have been a more realistic scene. But then again, those kids like in the 1995 wouldn't have had a big skate park to go. So like doing something stupid, like jumping off a roof probably is about the best you could possibly do. I mean, I was a terrible skateboarder and I once rode off like a six foot high planter in Gulf breeze and probably should have died, but barely <laughs> like, and probably came off at like 20 times where all you were basically doing was just falling from six feet in the air. And I think I landed it once alone and freaked out, but like, you do stupid <laughs> stuff that now in like retrospect is like, that wasn't hard, but it was just stupid, which is kind of what that trick was, I guess a little bit. Yeah, for, uh, definitely. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit more before we like, uh, talk about some of the odds and ends of the, um, the filmmaking, the music. I wanted to, um, ask about the, the end. And I mean, it's not really a movie that requires a spoiler section, but I mean, if you, if you, for some reason are listening to this and just haven't seen it yet, I'd sign off now. I think Billy, as you can tell, Billy and I probably both took enough from it to definitely recommend checking out the movie if you still have the chance to, but, uh, I, I did want to talk about the end of the movie. Uh, the i mean again that scene where they are at kind of like the skate party uh with a lot of people hanging out like i thought it is a pretty good uh, build up of like again being able to bring all those relationships with the group to a head at that point in the movie when there's still 15 minutes left at that point and it's an 84 minute movie so it's like it's barely over an hour but you still kind of get the the vibe that like i mean fuck shit's on a little bit of a different path in life than ray and he's gonna probably be a little upset that like ray might be moving on the bigger and better things he sees him talking to these pros he gets upset you kind of know already what's going on with uh ruben and stevie and kind of they get it in their own little fight too and i mean it all boils up into them like really having like a whole blow up a big blow up but then they end up in this car when with fuck shit driving when he's been really fucked up no pun intended uh and that kind of leads to this uh big car accident uh what did you think of just that that last act? I thought it was really good. I mean, it the scene of them skating outside felt kind of ominous, so you knew it was going to go somewhere. And like, I thought it did a good job of. Wait, when Ruben, you say when you say them skating outside, do you mean when him and Ray skate together? Because I think that happens pretty soon before that. Or do you mean like just the party in general that's going on? Oh, the party in general. I honestly, we haven't talked about that part. I honestly thought the movie might end when Stevie and Ray went on their like adventure and slept in there the night, I thought there was like a serious chance that like when they saw them sleeping on that bench, you know, I thought that mo- the movie just might end right there. Wouldn't have been and a it bad worked, ending. Probably. It just would have been like a 65 minute movie, which I guess would have been cool. But uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, so I thought the scene where they're skating out behind the skateboard shop was pretty real, like pretty ominous, but also like I thought the fight that Ruben and Stevie finally get into was a great example of just like how stupid teenage boys are and like what they fight over can be like you sat in my seat and break break down and like to a legitimate fight yeah because i think at that point in the movie like i mean we know as the audience we've been looking at ruben giving death stares for like at least half the movie at that point but i i wonder how like stevie was probably fairly oblivious to it you know so yeah at that point as far as he's concerned they're getting in a fight over just like Stevie being kind of drunk and a little just annoyed and Ruben just being super bitter. So the shove is all it takes. Yeah. Well, and also Stevie beats the shit out of him. (laughs) 
Like, it's not even a no contest. I mean, <laughs> they're on the ground, and Stevie is just pumping him. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty funny because that's probably true. If you've been fighting with Lucas Hedges for since you were basically old enough to stand up, yeah, you would probably beat the shit out he's of him. Like lifting weights all the time and stuff. He's like supposed to be pretty like jacked. That's like one of his only interests. Um, yeah. So I thought that scene was good. I thought you know Ray talking to the pro skateboarders and like fuck shit getting in the way. Like it's just a self sabotage thing. I thought that was good. But I'll say and. I, if you have any other thoughts, I was going to jump to the car. I thought one thing that I really liked about the car was the like heightened whatever they were doing with the sound for every time they had like a near miss was really well done because it's like three times the level of the normal audio in the scene. So it really makes you jump twice before finally something something finally happens. Oh, I do think I remember that because like I feel like. Like, you know, like, you got to do something to make that scene feel a little different. Like, I mean, how many times watching anything in TV or a movie have you seen the view of, like, uh, as if someone's sitting in the passenger seat is holding the camera and then someone gets yeah. T-boned or something like that? Or yeah. even just, like, when you know the person drinking and, like, wobbling along the road, like, you're, like, expecting it. So you got to, like, at least make it feel a little unconventional for sure. Yeah. No, and so I thought that part was really good, um, just in that sense. But it was as soon as they got in the car, you were like, oh, no, someone's going to die. Well, okay, so uh, no one does, but, like, they obviously, like, they get to the hospital. And, like, I mean, it it becomes evident that, like, after they get in this accident that uh, Stevie's the one that's the most injured. Uh, But when they show them in the waiting room, none of the other guys have a scratch on them. Which, I mean... Uh, I think fuck shit has, like, a bruise on his face. I think he has, like, a black eye or uh, bruises on his nose or something. I might have missed that, but, like, I don't think any other guys did. But the one thing I read in a review, which I was like, yeah, shouldn't fuck shit have been in jail? Uh, um, Well, uh, well, maybe not in 1995, right? uh, Well, my, my head didn't go there at all, like, during the movie. I just, like, read a review that was, like, thought the whole... Who thought the whole last act was, like just happened too fast and was like really put off by the fact that like fuck shit seemingly wasn't any trouble at all. And I mean, it doesn't really bother me that much in hindsight. I'm, I'm kind of, I, I find it funny that my head didn't go there. Cause I sometimes get bothered by those kind of things, but I, but like, obviously it sounds like that wasn't something that really concerned you, but I mean, the, that was just an interesting point I had seen made, but I, I, I really like everything that happens like after they're back at the hospital. Um, that's a really good, good moment with lucas hedges i mean maybe you thought that didn't land as well as it could have because like you said you didn't think they developed him well i don't know but i thought it was a pretty nice the moment. last scene with lucas hedges was good it was yeah better. yeah i mean i mean because like it's it's a nice bookend to earlier in the movie where like at that point like before stevie even meets the guys he actually like likes his brother his brother just doesn't like him uh like he's yeah. being thoughtful getting him cds and stuff and he just lucas hedges doesn't give a shit and and then so he but you like you i think part of what he might because we, we didn't really talk specifically about the scene where stevie comes home for after the party and he's obviously fucked up and lucas hedges is chasing him around like we mentioned how he beat him up but like lucas hedges has his own breakdown there and yeah. i mean i think part of that is this become like uh again like they probably did leave a little bit too much of it unsaid as you got at earlier but i think part of that's like he has internalized a lot of this, like whatever happened with his, uh, having seen what his mom gone through, presumably not really knowing their dad and probably and in theory thought he was being the man of the house by being the tough guy. And probably in that moment realized like, Hey man, maybe I've like kind of messed up how I've gone about this. Cause like my brother's gone on a not so great path. And, 
he shows that he ultimately, I feel like that kind of implies like that he cares about him, and you get to see a more um, affectionate manifestation of that in the last scene. Yeah, no, I, I hadn't thought about that in terms of like realizing that you know his brother's life is screwed up too. That's a good point. Yeah, no, I thought the scene with Lucas Hedges at the end worked really well because. I mean, they don't really talk. They just sit there and drink orange juice. It's not some overwrought scene that doesn't, re- you know, not something that's unrealistic. But then, well, now you can correct me on the order that this stuff happens in. Uh, I guess, I guess we see them in the waiting room uh, bef- before his mom gets there. But it's implied his mom gets there much later, and then like she, we are expecting her to be really pissed off. And then, but then they're all there still sleeping, right? Like we've already seen, we already know they're at the ER at that point, right? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think the implication is like, even though she hates these kids for getting her kids in trouble, she realizes that they care kind of thing. Oh, no. Yeah. No. That, and I, 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 no, that, I definitely got that. And like, I thought that's a really cool moment. Like, in, and not even just that she gets that realization, but like, we get that realization too. Cause I, I didn't, the way they shoot it, it was almost like a surprise to us that they were still there. I, I, I'm just trying to remember, like, with the timing of it all. Like, I remember thinking, like, she walked in and maybe. And then she looks there, and it's like they're all asleep. So like we didn't realize they were still going to be there at that point. It's like oh wow, like they really do still care about him. I, I, just like I said, it's been a little over a week since I saw it, but I, my, my my memory was like oh wow, like they're still hanging out there, which like means a lot. And like that was a cool moment just because of that. And like I think she she ultimately like gets it and like has like hey, want to go see him, you know? But uh, but yeah, like I think that I, I what hey, you're gonna bury the lead on probably the best part of the movie. What's that? Well, uh, my second favorite part of the movie, which is the skate movie that fourth grade puts together. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, did you have thoughts on Come that? Come on. That was awesome. I mean, yeah. well, it is a little unrealistic that a kid that can't afford socks somehow edited a movie apparently on a like, camcorder that he somehow can afford a fisheye lens to mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and edits it really well and somehow splices in music. But I thought that was really well done, first of all. Every skate movie in the 90s and like midway through the 2000s was made with fisheye, like over liberal use of fisheye, like under the skateboarder, like coming down a rail kind of stuff. Like, right, right, right. And also the piece that it nailed is like a lot of skateboard videos and older skateboard videos you watch are them just like fucking around and getting drunk. And that's why it like looks cool to be a skateboarder because you're skateboarding during the day, you're drinking while you're skateboarding. Like there's always interactions with cops and like homeless people, like probably like it's probably 75, 25 skateboarding to screwing around and like people hanging out videos. And so like are people hanging out? And so that I thought that part was really good and like well done. And it like look and felt like a mid 90s skate movie, which is probably the easiest thing in the world to do because you just slap a fisheye on there. But I thought that was good. Well, it's good uh, to know that they got it that right. But I mean, I think that ties into the to the uh, last thing that I wanted to ask you about was was the music in this movie because, like I I mentioned earlier, Jonah Hill put a lot of thought into this. Apparently, their budget wasn't that big, and he did a lot of just letter writing, kind of like Greta Gerwig did in Lady Bird, uh, where like just got people to let them use their songs. Uh, was there like a? I mean, it seems like the the critical consensus has been like pretty uh, complimentary of that. Like, were you uh were you pretty satisfied with the music and just the different musical cues and its use of all the different songs that he did get the rights to? Yeah, no, I thought it was really good. And it was a good reputation of kind of mid nineties rap and like what the CD someone would have in that age. Though I, I will say probably my favorite movie in the moment behind the skateboarding thing was when Stevie comes out and uh, after the party, after hooking up with that girl, 
and Watermelon Man by Herbie Hancock plays because that song is a banger and it's perfect. Now, I don't really think anybody under the age of probably 30 in 1995 was listening to that song, <laughs> but uh, that song is a banger and was perfectly placed. And there was some other good stuff too. There's a song they used in the trailer, which I was kind of sick of um, by the time I actually saw the movie. The only thought thing I thought was a little anachronistic is like, I don't think a bunch of 15 year old kids calling each other F bombs all day or listening to Morrissey while they skateboard. And that was the song that was playing. I think when they were rolling down the hill, one of the times, maybe the second time. And I was like, okay, they're not going to be listening to Morrissey. But other than that, I thought the music was good. Um, I thought the scene kind of the one montage that Jonah Hill allowed himself with wave of mutilation, the Pixies song um, that he and Bill Simmons geeked out about on the Ringer yeah. Podcast Network um, was that was pretty good. That was a good cutscene. It was good to use that song. Yeah, well, it's funny that you say that about uh, Morrissey because like that's that's the one person like uh, Jonah Hill's brought up more than any other that he was like the most excited about to like be able to get the rights from. Uh, so I find it interesting. Like I uh, that that was like your reaction because it's uh, like I I did not really know any better, but it seems like that was the thing that he was like the most happy to get in the movie. So I mean, I don't know if you're saying it if you're, it doesn't fit with skate culture, but whatever he thought it was kind of what he wanted to do with this. Um, I mean, it, it fits with skate culture, like listening to the Smiths would, and this is very nuanced and stupid, but like, I don't think a bunch of 14-year-old kids are going to be listening to more like Morrissey solo stuff. That's all I'm saying. Right. And the um, the, the score, too, like, I mean, I'm a little better about knowing about scores and how they affect the movies and stuff like that, but I, I actually really thought the um, – the, it was Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross who, like, do, like, pretty much – every other really good score you hear these days in movies. And like, I really thought that did a pretty good job of just like, just in general setting the mood for the whole, the whole movie. I mean, a lot of it obviously is set to hip hop in addition to that. But like, I, I don't know. I, I just, I thought that was good too. And it's, it's, it's just impressive that like a guy doing his um, first movie got like a lot of the little things right like that. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that or anything else, but normally at this point in the podcast, I like to ask the guests if there's just anything I forgot to ask them about the, any other odds ends or additional thoughts that you wanted to kind of throw out there. Well, I think one thing that we've talked about a bunch, but haven't really talked about directly is like the comparison of this movie to other movies. Right. Mm -hmm. So you think about the big comparison, let's talk about the comparison to kids, right? Right. I haven't seen kids in probably like 10 or 12 years. Wow. That means you were probably was, almost too young when you saw kids. for this. Yeah. No, it freaked me out <laughs> or it was awesome. I'm, I don't remember. But the thing in like kids, right. You think about like in that movie, those kids are supposed to be like the coolest people on the planet. Right. And they're like they're also living in New York. And they're legitimately bad people though. And they're bad people. They're living in New York. They're hanging out in Washington square park. They're doing badass stuff. They're like going to raves like Chloe Savini is in that movie. And she like at that time was the coolest person on earth. Right. Like, this movie, you can tell these people aren't cool. They're not rich. They're not like out getting laid and like going to crazy parties in New York. What do you mean? Ruben's fucking bitches all the time, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> sure. But you know what I mean? Like I, I saw a comparison of someone being like, I didn't like this movie because it makes – it's the opposite of Lady Bird where everyone's not cool. Like this may, movie makes everybody look cool and I'm like, on what planet are these people like the cool people? Ray, Ray's, like, Ray's cool and the others are not cool. Yeah. yeah, but even then, like, I don't know, like, there's a certain, like, stigma of towards in society towards against, like, skateboarders, right? So even if Ray may be the coolest skateboarder around them, but that doesn't really hold much outside of it. I don't know. I mean, the, the criticism I read from, I think it was 
film drunk was like, well, you know, Stevie does all the drugs. He doesn't throw up. He hooks up with the girls. And I'm like, you just don't see him throw up. Like, and also like the Stevie that's like copycatting them is like pretty pathetic. Right. I mean, you feel for the kid and you know, people that have done that stuff. And like, but it like, I mean, it's not cool. Yeah. How right? awkward was the, um, the moment where he, uh, tells the joke that gets him his nickname. I mean, that is like right when he's at the beginning of like hanging out with them. But I mean, like, I, yeah, if, I, if, that if was they, pretty bad. If right? they if, if they really wanted to make this kid seem cool, they have him say something cool there. You know what I mean? Like the whole point is that like even and I guess that's the beginning of it, and he certainly ends up fitting in better. But I mean, uh, and and fakes it well. But I think that it's just implied throughout that like he's putting on a front. You know, I mean, like we're not supposed to think he's this naturally cool customer. Yeah. So I think that the stuff that kids is, I mean, look, obviously Jonah Hill is influenced by the movie. I think he said so, but I think it's a stretch. It's a very different movie. Like these people aren't bad people. Like I love kids. I was like, these people are terrible people. Like I want to take a shower. So I thought that comparison was a stretch. I did. Fun fact. Did you realize, I didn't realize in the time, obviously that the man that leaves Captain Waterston's bedroom, is Harmony Corinne. Yeah. I think I had heard, well, I, 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 I had heard someone else say that and he's not credited like that like on imdb or anything someone had said it like oh my god it's so great that uh jonah hill cast harmony corinne as guy you wouldn't want your mom around which would be hilarious <laughs> which 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 would be hilarious that that was actually like his name in the credits and i don't think it is it's actually todd on imdb uh which i i, I forgot that like i guess they did call him todd in the movie i guess but like i mean so I did not catch that. I, I heard that thing before I saw the movie, and then like I just didn't even put it two and two together until like after the fact. Um, yeah, but and then also the guy playing the but it does um, court kids comparisons when you talk about it as much as he does, and then you put Harmony Corinne in your movie. Yeah, yeah, go yeah ahead. exactly. If you don't want the comparison, don't put Harmony Corinne <laughs> in the movie. But I think it's pretty different, and I think I don't know how many people now have probably seen kids that will see this movie that aren't you know over the age of like thirty five, but. The other thing, um, well, I was going to say on like cameos is the guy that played at the beginning of the movie where they're skateboarding and Stevie's across the street. Mm. That guy coming out of the convenience store is a famous skateboarder. It's oh. got Jason Dill. I didn't realize that. Gotcha. So that was a little hat toss or hat tip, which they could have put someone like very mainstream in there. Like I could have seen the movie 30 times and then not realize that's who that was. Right. I mean, I, I think uh... – just more directly, like again, I think that's the biggest thing about like one thing I said, like kids is more just like trying to say something about that generation of kids, whereas this is just trying to like I, I felt like more than anything, he, Jonah Hill was trying to say something about friendship, where they don't really actually talk about their friendships in kids yeah. at all. It's just about these kids and their lifestyle and what they're doing. And so I think I don't think it's really the most apt comparison, even if there are certain things that might be like clearly inf- certain ways in which it clearly influences this movie. They're trying to do completely different things and like we are we already talked about ladybird and there's really not a lot they have in common other than their distributor and the yeah and, and that they are coming of age in much different ways but like anytime there's a coming of age movie i guess that like comparisons are like just going to be inevitable because like there are a decent amount of them these days but i think i don't think there's really is a clear parallel to any one movie and i well i mean so, like some of the themes might not be the most original because again, growing coming of age stories are a common thing. I think the fact that you can't really like pinpoint another movie and just be like, it's just the skaterboard sk- skateboard version of that. Like even if like people are saying, oh, it's Jonah Hill's Ladybird, like it's a much different plot than Ladybird. You know, I mean, like yeah. I, I just think that like I do think it stands on its own. 
Yeah, I think so too. I think the comparison to eighth grade doesn't really work to me because there's a lot of eighth grade that is a lot of like growing up as a modern kid stinks. And this movie doesn't go down the path of like growing up in 1995 was great. Well, also, it's about how like, I mean, eighth grade is about how like the, 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 I mean, the internet makes it possible for you to like just go through high school and just, it's very easy to fall into not having friends. Whereas like in the nineties, like when you didn't have that kind of outlet, you were forced to go out there and try and make friends. Um, yeah, and then the story in Lady Bird is a lot more of like the people you see in high school that are like, I have to get out of here, I have to get out of here. And the common theme, right, is that they're all coming-of-age stories, but like I don't know that you really see any character development in eighth grade that is like – well, I guess at the end of the movie. You see character development, but like there's not like a, a clear growth in what's-her-face's character by the end of the movie, whereas – I think with Stevie in this movie, that movie is more of like a snapshot in time versus I don't know where I'm going with this. But I think it, it just doesn't really those comparisons don't hold up to me. I think you get the comparisons because those movies come out in the past 18 months and they're a 24 movies. Like other than that, these movies don't really have anything in common. And I would much rather see a coming of age movie than a lot of other movies. Yeah, and uh, another one you might want to check out that was A24 that didn't really get a big theatrical release on Amazon Prime now, Never Going Back. It, it had a really good trailer, so I was excited about it for a while. I just never got to a theater near me. It's just, it's like two girls that are high school dropouts that just like kind of hang out in, oh, in, yeah. in like rural Texas. And it, it's it's pretty good. I mean, I, I, I there are ways in which I clearly think it could have been better, but it's like in a way it's like it's almost a – it's it's another A twenty four one, but it's almost a better parallel. And it's just like these girls are just like trying to like kind of get through the day, and they they're not they're, they don't have a lot going for them in life. And it, it has parallels too. But like I, I I do it's it's again it's another thing that's not the same. I I think it's a movie that's worth checking out. But um, yeah, I mean I keep saying there are a lot of uh, coming of age movies. I'm not thinking of a a ton of recent examples that aren't a, these A twenty four things. But I I, I, I that are coming of age movies. But, I mean, I think if there was something that's, like, that on point, like, people would be talking about it, and it's they're mostly just drawing the comparison to kids or, or, or this recent stuff. Um, well, maybe it's – maybe I'm the only person that saw what was that crappy movie that David Simon wrote um, about the kid that, like, in the 50s and wants to be a rock guitarist. You mean David Chase? Uh, David Chase, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm not even remembering the name. Not, don't name. Fade Away yeah, or something. Yeah, yep, that's it. Yeah, I didn't see it. Uh-huh. Yeah, see, I'm like one of the five people that saw that movie. It's not great. But this movie, to me, from what I remember, I think I saw that on a plane like five years ago, has more in common with that movie than like Lady Bird or Eighth Grade. But that may be a little inside baseball. I don't know. Yeah, man, whatever. I mean, it's it's an interesting thing to talk about. Like, I mean, because I, I mean, I do a lot of these podcasts, but like, I mean, I don't always kind of fall, fall into that discussion with different movies but like i think this one just it does kind of like call on those other comparisons because everyone does see a lot of coming age of age movies um i don't know it's just just uh it, it's interesting to think about for sure but i think especially when it's like a first-time filmmaker can clearly there are a couple of different traps i think they can fall into one can maybe be just showing their influences like way too much and in a way that feels overbearing or on the nose and another might just be trying to show way too many tricks and yeah show off a lot i thoroughbreds is a movie that came out earlier this year uh, you know um which I, I I enjoyed, but like that, the, the camera moves in so many weird ways in that movies, and it was and it was a guy who was like a playwright and a first time director though, and it was like he was clearly showing, hey, I, I know how to move a camera, and like you said, they do the they, they do the fishbowl stuff like at the end, but like 
there's not like a lot of weird, unique camera stuff, even though the movie shot fine. You know, I think he, he did a good job of getting out of the way and maybe not falling into the traps you might expect to from like a very new filmmaker that's trying to be too showy or something like that. Um, yeah. So the only other thing I was going to mention is, is this the best 90s nostalgia movie? <laughs> I can't really think of the only one I can think of is Dope, which I fell asleep during. Oh, you didn't you really didn't like Dope, huh? I just fell asleep. Dope is, I mean, I'm is, not saying it was bad, but I, it was is dope. Nineties. Oh yeah, remember they're they're not in the nineties, but they all wear the, the what's his face? It's like a high top fade, like kid from Kid and Play, like or was it Play from Kid and Play? I think those are the only two nineties nostalgia well, movies. I, I, well, no, it wasn't. Was it set in the nineties or they were just obsessed no, with the nineties? It was just it, they were just obsessed. Right, with the 90s. right, right, right. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't. I mean. I think we're coming up on we're going to be coming up on a lot more of them. I think it's just like getting to that point. There was that Netflix series, Everything Sucks, which was which, which sucked. Do you watch it too? Oh man, I watched the first episode. Oh. It stunk. I stuck with it. It was like shameless, shameless, and all of its music drops and everything about just like trying to play on. Like they're like, oh, we did Stranger Things, which has '80s nostalgia, which people like, so we're just going to do it with the '90s. Like it was so like you could clearly see their intent, and it was just like dumb. Um, like I. But like stuff like that is just going to start happening more as like people that grew up in the '90s get to the age where they can make stuff, you know. So I, I don't. Or, or do you think we'll do Lady Bird and just flash forward to early 2000s nostalgia because that's you know, more fun? You know what I think is a really good '90s nostalgic movie, which I mean I can't really necessarily completely relate to one because I mean I was like three years old during its events and I was never really in New York then. But the Wackness, have you seen the Wackness? Oh man, I haven't seen the Wackness in forever. Yeah, but it's good. That's a '90s nostalgia movie. Okay. So I think this movie is better than The Wackness, and okay. it's definitely better than Dope. So number one 90s nostalgia movie, which has got to count for something. Yeah, I mean, number one, when we can only name like four when we combine our, <laughs> our knowledge. But like, I mean, like, it'll be fun to like see people like do a better job of it. But like, I, I really like The Wackness a lot. Been a minute since I saw it, uh, but I I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to I, – I, it's hard for me. Like, I really like that movie, but I mean, oh. this is good too. And but yeah, dope. I really don't like. The, I really don't like the second half of dope. I really like the first half of dope. What um, What was that movie from earlier this year with Jenny Slate, John Turturro? Oh, Landline. That that was a '90s nostalgia movie, right? Solid. Yeah, I liked Landline. Yeah. So okay, I'm putting that above dope. Too. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and you really didn't like dope. Um, I just fell asleep during. It. I just did not think it was great. But bring on the '90s nostalgia movies. Basically, I, I want to see some of the late '90s teen movies. A different perspective on those let's hit it can't get enough you know all right well uh i i i agree i mean like i feel like the the 80s are pretty well saturated at this point and that's obviously kind of the next frontier for lack of a better term and uh if you want you can you can have the title of uh rewind 90s correspondent uh but uh but uh yeah uh i billy i we went long but i'm glad we did it because i uh we've been meaning to do this for a while uh what i normally like to do at this point in the podcast is uh let my guests plug anything if they have anything to plug but you're you have a fairly enigmatic social media presence so i mean maybe i'm hoping to get you to start using letterbox more if you want to plug that or plug twitter or anything like that or no yeah, I have a letterboxed. Um, I think it's under McCormick Bill. Um, so check that out and see what weird movies I've decided to watch off my ever-growing list of stuff that I haven't seen. Um, and I'm not going to plug my Twitter because there's no point in following me. Um, right. And yeah, thanks for having me on. Hopefully 
someone else will make another movie about skateboarding in the next 15 years and I can come yeah, back we'll, on. We'll, we'll get, we'll, we'll have you for a different kind of movie besides that. So we'll make, we'll make it happen sooner. And, uh, but yeah, as usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, J O S H J U R N O V O Y on Twitter and same thing, but two separate words on letterbox coming up next after you listen to this, the next podcast we do will probably either be on uh, uh, beautiful boy or Suspiria or, or uh, wildlife. So got a lot of stuff coming up as we kind of get into the heart of Oscar season and I'm having trouble keeping up with all of it myself, but I appreciate y'all tuning in to hear us uh, cover this one and we'll see you next time.